When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. In the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. I didn't say it wasn't his fault. I I did not say he wasn't at fault. I did not say he was flawless. What I said is he's better than Kirk Cousins, and you don't need to be mentioning them in the same breath. Are you going to sit up here and say with a straight face that he is? Life on the line. Oh, God. Uh, Kirk Cousins or Lamar Jackson? In a big game on the line. Lamar Jackson all day, every day, ahead of Kirk Cousins. Is that water check? What are you drinking this morning? If you think that Kirk Cousins is Lamar Jackson. He's made a lot of money in the Kirk NFL. Kirk Cousins is Lamar Jackson. What's wrong with you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. please. <laughs> oh, my God. You're <laughs> the best. I love how that show is just, and it's Stephen A. with with a new co-host every day now. Right? It's like Michael Irvin on Monday and then Mad Dog Russo. And whoever else, and they're just shouting at each other for two hours, arguing about cousins versus Lamar. Nobody moves his <laughs> hand in the business better than the doggy. I don't even know how he does it. His his arms or his hands are constantly moving. He's like he has no elbow joints or something. Exactly. It's like, just like his arms are just flailing around, just shouting sports takes. He's underrated. He's underrated. Uh, uh, I am going to ask you that question here in just a second, but this is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings <laughs> Entertainment, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. Hell of a start to the KOC era. If you've missed any of our week one recap episodes from the flagship Purple Daily to Trenches with Alex Boone, which was incredible this week, and uh, Before We Die with Jesse and Thor, and also Realistic Randy Rants with Declan. All kinds of stuff available for you on the Purple Daily Podcast feed and YouTube channel. The show is presented by our friends at TCL. No matter what you watch, TCL has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space, all with stunning picture quality. And TCL makes more than just TVs. They offer mobile products, audio devices, home appliances. TCL bringing you joy and simplicity through innovative technology. Also, uh, those glorious Before I Die cans of Surly. People keep sending us the photos from the stadium, but also now they're in all these liquor stores around the Twin Cities. So My it's liquor been store. Great to see. Nice. Just last night, I went and said, you know what? I think it's a logic bomb type of night from Surly. But then I got there, and yet that's exactly right. I saw these before I die. That's the mission. That's the goal. And Surly has perfectly encapsulated it by using the purple da- daily m- mantra. As Phil just said, I think pretty much throughout the uh, five state area you can find before i die so if you're a vikings fan and you're on board with the mission to finally see a a world championship in this town from the purple before i die is the beer for you from our friends at surly brewing 
Love it. Uh, all right, just re- before we get into our State of the Offense Thursday episode here, Random Viking of the Week later on, too, answer the question. Answer the question that Stephen A. and Mad Dog Russo were shouting at each other for. Would you rather have Lamar Jackson or Kirk Cousins with a game on the line? Um, I'd rather have Lamar Jackson because I think he can do more. I also haven't seen. So here's the thing with Kirk. Um, this answer might change in like a month or two. See, this is all predicated on what O'Connell is doing with Kirk. And what we saw on Sunday was great. But can I just purge my mind? Can I just automatically purge my mind of all the Kirk that I saw from 2018 to 2021? The answer is no. So given his ability to make plays in different ways, if I am running, if I have to run a 99-yard drive late in a key game um, right now, I'm going Jackson because I appreciate what Kirk did. I also appreciate the fact that Justin Jefferson is flat out one of, if not possibly the best receiver in this entire league. But I want Lamar Jackson's skill set for now. Yeah, it's it's Lamar easily right now. I mean, by the way, Lamar Jackson won an MVP award not too long ago. He's a dynamic quarterback that is able to make something out of absolutely nothing. I can make the argument that he's had no weapons. He's had next to no help. That's been all Lamar Jackson. And John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens basically had to scheme a whole new offense around him and tailored around him because he's an explosive kind of player. I would still take Lamar Jackson over Kirk Cousins. The gap is closing. I will say that. Last year, Lamar Jackson had his worst season. Uh, I think, you know, like the the contract difference, if, if we're including contract, which I know that that's not the spirit of this discussion, then that kind of goes away once because right now Lamar Jackson is this amazing discount the last four or five years. And then he, whether it's the Ravens or somebody else, he's going to get paid and make some ridiculous amount of money. But I think Kirk feels like he's on the ascent here under KOC and Lamar Jackson has to prove more than just one game that uh, last season wasn't a downturn, but I would still take Lamar Jackson ability to make plays with his legs. But the, the gap is closer, much closer than it was yeah. three years ago. And I believe the question was, though, one drive, life on the line, right? <laughs> Which is, imagine so being in my, that scenario, by the if, way. Hey, so uh, if you yes, don't make the right decision, your you life die. will end. Yes, You die. <laughs> I'm going with Jackson. For that one drive, I'm going to take my chances because I, at least I know that, that if there is a pressure and he is forced to make a play, he can run. Kirk's going to get you seven yards, maybe. Well, I'm glad you brought up the word pressure because that's a great segue into our first regular season state of the offense episode here. Every Thursday, we devote a huge chunk of the show to just breaking down interesting trends and statistics and things involving the Vikings offense. So every week, I'm going to bring you a handful of key categories, and we and I'll I'll usually bring you some fun stats or some different things, and we can and we can kick these around. So. The first category here is Cousins versus Pressure. I want to start, before I get to the numbers here, I just want to make it clear, because I think I think a lot of people have a misperception that it's, it's the offensive line's job and the organization's job to eliminate pressure so that a quarterback can operate without pressure. And when you watch a game, you start to you blame the offensive line. Well, look at the pressure that the offensive line gave up. And I want to be clear about something. You will not avoid pressure in the NFL. Pressure is inevitable. Opposing defenses have highly paid machines who weigh 275 pounds of pure muscle 
Aaron Donald types who are 300 pounds with 2% body fat, and they are paid millions of dollars to make the opposing quarterback uncomfortable. There's only so much you can do to eliminate pressure. And so, yes, you would like your offensive line and your organization to do as much as you can to build a brick wall. But at the end of the day, I was looking this up, last season, the average NFL quarterback faced pressure, 33% of dropbacks. So the the lowest was was the Buccaneers and Tom Brady only faced pressure twenty percent of the time. And I think some of that's just also Brady. It's a good offensive line, but it's Brady being able to do Brady things and know how to get the ball out and stuff. So the average quarterback faces pressure thirty three percent of the time. Kirk was right around that, by the way. That he just he was it was like him and Josh Allen were like the middle middle ground, and the even the the, the quarterbacks that see the least amount of pressure are still seeing it 20% of dropbacks. So it is unavoidable. And great quarterbacks find a way, even when pressured, and a lot of these pressures are coming, you know, all right, it's late in the game, you're trailing, or it's a third down, and the opposing team knows you're going to pass, and so they're dialing something up, or they know that they don't have to worry about the run. So it's, it's oftentimes it's the biggest situations, the third downs and the late half situations, where you're going to face a lot of pressure and the great quarterbacks find a way to still push the ball down the field, make big plays and overcome it. And this has been my personal single biggest gripe with Kirk cousins in the four plus years that he's been the starting quarterback here. People all the time will take little screenshots on Twitter or whatever, and just show you the back of the football card stats. You sit there and hate on Kirk cousins how can you complain about this? And it shows like 4,000 yards and 33 touchdowns. And I would say, well, first of all, listen to the show, watch the show. We go deep on this stuff, but it's not just about the cumulative stats in the NFL. It's about inside two minutes, inside four minutes, third down. How are you against inevitable pressure? Right. And the last few seasons, Kirk has been statistically awful when pressured. He's been statistically great when not pressured. And so most people then come out and say, well, you make sure that he make sure that he's not pressured. That is not possible. You you can reduce it and you can do a better job scheming around it, but he needs to be better when pressured. All right. Mm-hmm. So last season, he was twentieth in PFF grade when pressured, thirty first in yards per attempt when pressured, and twenty fifth in average depth of throw when pressured. So he wasn't throwing the ball down the field. He wasn't completing passes down the field, and he was generally just a mess when he was pressured. The two years prior to that, it was a little bit better, but he was like 13th, 21st, 14th in those same categories. Mm-hmm. Week one, one game. It's one game. But week one, Kirk Cousins was the number one PFF graded quarterback when pressured. He was sixth in yards per attempt. He was 15th in average depth of throw, which is, you know, mid-pack, obviously. But, but you'll take it. But a huge step up. Yes. from where he ranked last year. Yep. So I just want to highlight that, again, that pressure is unavoidable in the NFL. You can reduce it to some extent, but you have to overcome it, and he has not been good at that statistically in his career. He was brilliant at it in week one against the Packers. And that's where I think we saw a difference in his approach, too. And look, I mean, this this all goes back to, like, this is not just all 
about Kirk. This goes back to how Kirk is being coached and and how the scheme works and what they tell Kirk you have to do without it being like this. If you screw up, you're in trouble. But you know what? There's going to be some problems at times, but we need you to deliver the football. And Justin Jefferson is never covered. Um, this is a I think it starts with a mindset approach, which is we need to change how you approach things because nobody on this show has ever said Kirk Cousins can't make plays. Nobody has said, now, now, can he scramble? Great. No. But veteran quarterbacks, Kirk's age, need to be able to manipulate the pocket, not scramble. Kirk did a marvelous job, I thought, on Sunday of, of remaining calm, shuffling in the pocket, which has been, I think, my single b- biggest gripe on Kirk from 2018 to 21 was that, was, dude, how do you have no awareness? On Sunday, it seemed that he did have that. And so this all comes back to the con- conversation that we've had for months now, which is can Kevin O'Connell's scheme and system and really guidance of Kirk, because that's the most important thing. Can that guidance of Kirk result in the desired results? Now, where I will caution you, because it worked against the Packers, and that's great. Um, and I thought the scheme was fantastic. Where I will caution all of us and say we need to slow our roll is this is now at least for the starting point on film all these defensive coordinators do is sit in dark rooms and figure out how to stop like they have no lives they're not they're not like well i gotta take some time out to watch what kirk did the the Eagles have spent all week in a dark room looking at Jefferson and Cousins. Yeah. And so this is all, this is all going to come back to what O'Connell's installing here will be adjusted to. Can you then pivot and adjust to that? So, I mean, but this is the cat and mouse game that's fun. My basic gripe against the Vikings, and this was very true last year, was they never pivoted at all. Like, there was no adjustment needed. Because it was so predictable and it was so bland. And I mean, I'm sorry, but your 15 scripted plays can't be the, we got off to a good start. Like the 15 scripted plays are the very, very beginning of what you want to do and where you want your offense to go. And so I think what's going to be so intriguing in the opening months of this season will be as adjustments are made to Kirk and Jefferson to see what the counters are and that's where that's where we're going to get into the into the calculus of football which is going to be great fun. Yeah, but it kind of sounds like I mean that Kevin O'Connell's been talking about this since the the day that he did his introductory press conference, the idea that we will dictate. I think that's what yeah. he said verbatim is we we will dictate and he did it what, what we do offensively. And yes. and I'd like to maybe do a deeper dive into the second half cuz and that'll be something we talk about here in the state of the offense but you know, did they, why did they peel off a little bit in the second half? Is that something to be concerned about long-term or was it just, they were, they were up so much and you know, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to score 45 points against that defense because the Packers do have a good defense, but let's get to the second category here, which is the Jefferson ratio. So years ago, Mike Tice coined the Randy ratio. I don't know how to make this alliteration. Is there a synonym for ratio that has a J the the Jefferson didn't we talk about this last year too the um oh god I remember talking yeah it was justification I think we did a justification justific- the Justin justification uh, yeah I, like I think that. that's what we used last year Declan's right the Jefferson justification all right yep. so how about this this is pretty bonkers 
Kirk Cousins, when targeting Justin Jefferson, averaged 17 yards per throw. Kirk Cousins, when targeting everyone else, averaged five yards per throw. That's yardage gained, not yards in the air, like air target. But this is like yards gained, 17 yards gained per throw targeting Jefferson, five yards gained per throw targeting everybody else. On one hand, you look at that and say, well, that's awesome. Justin Jefferson, just keep targeting him. But, you know, there is going to come a point where you're going to throw 30 passes in a game. You know, Cooper Cup led the league in targets last year. He averaged 11 targets per game. So you're probably not going to get much beyond 11 average targets per game, but you're going to throw 20 more passes in a lot of games. Do you look at that and say, this is great. Justin Jefferson's doing everything he should, and they got him the ball. Or do you look and say, okay, that's awesome, but, you know, going to need Thielen and KJ and some of these other guys to be more effective than five yards per throw, you know? I, I look at it and say this. Um, those guys are going to need to for sure make plays. I think what they're going to need to be experts at, and, and this was the case against the Packers, and it will continue, and not everyone's going to love this, and so it'll be, it'll be intriguing to, to see how, how this plays out. Osborne and Thielen will make plays. They'll score some touchdowns. That being said, what they are is tremendous decoys. Um, there, there was, there's some tape now. O'Connell did some a breakdown at Vikings.com, which is great. And Darius Butler did one, I think it was him, uh, for the McAfee show, which was fantastic. So, like, and, and this gets into the how Jefferson was used. Because, again, I find it very frustrating for, for the, the filmsy guys who, like, I'm breaking down film to say, well, Packers really didn't cover him. Like, that is the most lazy, to me, non-starter. Like, that, that helps me zero. Like, if you're going to break down film, don't just start with, well, they just didn't do a good job of covering him. They didn't, but the question is why, right? Yeah, what did the Vikings do to make it Exactly, for exactly. Because the Packers didn't scheme up, well, you know what, let's just, well, screw it. We'll cover Thielen instead. Um, and Darius Butler broke down a play which was marvelous, which was, which was the cornerback was on Jefferson at one point, but the Packers played a ton of zone. Why? Because they didn't think that they could cover him one-on-one in man. And they're probably and they're, right about and that. And they're correct, yes. And they're correct, right, exactly. So, like, a cornerback can say, I wanted him. It's very easy to say that post game. I wanted him the whole game. Yeah, sure you did. Um, but the play that Butler broke down, the corner forces inside leverage on Jefferson and dumps him off to the safety. Now that that seems dangerous, but if everybody else is doing their job, it becomes a really good play. Because Osborne then, I think, ran a deep route. So so the corner had to stay with him on the other side. The yes. point being is because Jefferson's so damn good, he created space, got open and made the play. And so like this is this is where I don't think it's an automatic that teams like if you have a better corner, Jefferson's in, in trouble. That's true against a Thielen. That's true against good receivers. I don't think that's necessarily true across the board against superstar receivers. Yeah, so I think the play because I think I saw the same breakdown. It was it was it was an was it all twenty two Jefferson lined up on the left side outside. He was on the left side, and it's quarters and coverage K- from the Packers. KJ Osborne was on the right side. Yep. And and the the scheme of that play, and I I'd have to see it again. I, I wish we I should just I thought should have thought of this two days ago and sent it to Dex, but. But what happened was the Vikings intended very specifically for Jefferson, and it was it was great against the zone because like you're just you're okay. We're gonna pass him off, 
he's going to, he, you know, the, the, the corners playing, playing so that Jefferson has to go on the inside and he's kind of working his way across the field from left to right. And the thought is, oh, there's a safety up top, but, but KJ Osborne is a really good deep threat. And so KJ Osborne gets past the cornerback and that cornerback thinks that the safety is going to, so the safety has to pick, do I go deep with KJ Osborne who's running wide open or do I pick Justin Jefferson running across the field as he makes his way through the different sections of the Packers zone defense? It was a schematically perfectly designed play to either break a 40-yard touchdown throw to or whatever it was to KJ Osborne or a wide open Justin Jefferson. And that's the type of sophistication combined with great receivers that is going to lead to Yes. I don't think what we saw in the first half of the first game was just like, "Oh, they nailed their scripted plays." I think right. it was yes. no, this scheme is they're going to be great with the scripted plays, but hopefully it can also trickle into the more improvisational parts of the game as well. And with the skill position players, especially at receiver that the Vikings have, this is a pick your poison offense if it's executed correctly. Because if you do sell out, screw it, we're going to double 18, right? Okay, we're just going to double. We don't care. Someone's open. Mm-hmm. And and so that's the thing. And the beauty about that is no one's question is Kirk can make all those throws. See, that yeah. that's the, that's where it becomes, and that's why I think especially last year was so frustrating, right? Because last year you're like, hold on a second here. You've got these three guys. You've got Dalvin Cook. And you're telling me after 15 plays, that's basically it. So, but yeah, I, I'm just, I'm going to get very frustrated by, well, the defense did a terrible job. No. The defense was in trouble from the moment the game started. Yes. Yep. Uh, I kept shouting at my screen every time Justin caught a pass. Big dog got to eat. <laughs> Nutrisource, like <laughs> our dogs do. The official dog food of Purple Daily and Mackie and Judd. You'll see on the YouTube channel, this is a very happy and very excited Maya Mackie, our three-year-old Chihuahua Terrier mix, as I hold a giant scoop of Nutrisource chicken and rice out in front of her. Uh, it's all about gut and digestion health, Judd, which is what the humans and the dogs on this show are preaching. It's very important. And yes, uh, my my dog, Stella, she's uh, about uh, 12, 13. And so digestion health becomes very important. There she is sitting by a bag of treats. And, and because of that, she is healthy, happy. You know what? Since she started on the Nutrisource food plan, do you know she is now jumping up on, on a bed, which she... Um, previously couldn't get up on. That's the the type of health we're talking about. We're talking about strength. We're talking about joint health. We're talking about digestive health. Yes, Stella is a new dog, a new dog because partially at least our friends at Nutrisource are helping her. Love it. NutrisourcePetFoods.com to find a retailer near you. NutrisourcePetFoods.com. Saw it was a big week for some people on Underdog Fantasy last week and week one as well. It was. You can uh, join us for another week of fantasy football, Judd and myself. In fact, so we'll, we did one week one uh, last year, our guy, or last week, excuse me, Michael here on the YouTube channel. Uh, he won 18 bucks by finishing in first place in our daily 10-team uh, week one fantasy league. You can join that fantasy league, too, by going to Underdog Fantasy. Use promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R, and it will double your first deposit. You can play fantasy football against us. You can make some great pick options. Lines are being set for Thursday Night Football. you got Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, so get those uh, lock those picks in immediately as you can. Join Underdog Fantasy and download the Underdog Fantasy app. 
And before we get back to the state of the offense categories here, uh, Minnesota Lotto has jumped back on board for another season with Purple Daily and those glorious Vikings scratch-off tickets. Yes, I've got props here. I've got props here because I want you to see the number on this ticket, 10.2 million bucks. That's exactly right. And that, that's the uh, total cash prizes available because it's time to go big with with the big ticket scratch game. It's so big. It is huge second chance prizes as well. The lottery, just say I'm in, must be 18 or older to go big. You know what? It should be a fun year for the Vikings, but you know what would be more fun? If you joined in and won big Minnesota State Lottery, take your chances today. Let's do it. All right, uh, let's get back to the state of the offense here. Category number three is pass protection, offensive line. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is where we break some bad news here. All right, this is where we get balanced as a show. We've been mostly celebratory all week, but... The Vikings offensive line as a group had the second worst pass blocking efficiency rate football in week one. Second worst pass blocking efficiency rate in week one. And uh, there were two main culprits. You can probably guess who they were. This next number for you is, and bear with me here, this is percentage of dropbacks by Kirk Cousins where these offensive linemen bared at least some responsibility for a pressure. Sometimes it's not as easy as one guy got beat. It might be like, you know, a general area where two guys got beat or Kenny Clark splits these two guys, right? So Garrett Bradbury bared some responsibility for pressure on 31% of Kirk's dropbacks, which was the highest rate of any center that played in week one. So on 31% of Kirk's dropbacks, Garrett Bradbury was somewhat at fault for a pressure. Worst rate in the league among centers. Ed Ingram, 38% of snaps, he bared some responsibility for a pressure, which was the fifth highest of any right guard in week one. So when it came to pass protection, Garrett Bradbury and Ed Ingram were two of the worst at their position among all of the centers and right guards that played. So that's something to for sure clean up. I have a lot of faith still in Ed Ingram. Second round pick, had a great training that's camp. One game. It's your first NFL game. Yeah. There's definitely room to grow there. For Bradbury, it's really discouraging because it's like this was this was the rebirth for you, man. This is a new system. It's a new season. It's a new coach. It's everything. And it's a team you've played against a million times so far in your career. And it was the same thing in pass protection for him. So Clark is great too, which is a problem. I look, I don't think I I think that O'Connell and the offensive coaching staff is going to do the best they possibly can to scheme around Bradbury's problems, but I don't think there's going to be a, a change here. Like he is who he is. He can definitely run block. Um, but when it comes to going against the type of defensive tackles that you have to around this league now in training camp. We saw nothing different. Like, we didn't see a guy who had t- taken a step. Tomlinson and Phillips abused him at times. Yeah. And so I really think the question is, what type of job can O'Connell and his staff do on a weekly basis when you're going against really good defensive tackles to, to save Kirk? And, Phil, to your point from before, part of that's on Kirk, too. Like, Kirk knows the price of poker now. This is not a surprise. It's not, oh, my God, my center's not good. Like, he's been behind this guy not receiving sufficient protection for a long time. And so 
I'm guessing that O'Connell and Kirk have talked about it and been like, dude, we got to do this and that. Um, The fact that Kirk only got sacked once to me is incredibly encouraging. Yeah. Like that, like, cause I'm trying to look at that game and say, what do we sort of learn about what guys can do? And, and cause the hubris of saying that we can scheme around Bradbury's deficiencies is pretty high. Like there's a chance there's going to be games where you can't, but if more often than not for at least a year before Bradbury is replaced, you can spend 2022 getting around his pass protection problems. Um, that's going to speak a lot to, to what O'Connell can do in the actual offensive game plan. I agree with you that it's, it's encouraging that despite that interior pressure, again, whether it was just Kirk being great about shifting away from it, moving up in the pocket, getting rid of the ball quickly, or them scheming things up to, to be quick, it didn't really derail the offense. So this, I mean, they are, this is about as bad as you can get with a center and a right guard and the Vikings still dominated. They found a way around it. So that is another misperception is that even like these guys had kind of train wreck games and pass protection and Kirk was still clean on, you know, two out of every three throws. It's not it, when an offensive lineman's getting beat in the NFL, he's not getting beat like 90% and it's, 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 it everything. just feels it's, like it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that brings us to the fourth category here, state of the offense after one week. And it's another dose of medicine for the Vikings. What can they do better? Third down offense. The Vikings were only 31% on third down, which was one of the five or six worst rates of any offense in the league. So they did most of their damage in the early downs, and uh, they weren't, I think they were like four of 13 or something. Yep. I'm looking at it on right third now. Third down? Okay. 13. So that's an area, and, and that's an area they were not good last year, too. They were, I think, 25th or 26th in the league in third down conversion rate. They were like 35%, and the Chiefs were number one pacing the league at, I think, 53% last year. I don't know that I expect that because they have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and they're just further advanced. Sure. But um, that is a, that is something they're going to have to be better at if they want to sustain this level of offensive success. How much does the second half concern you? Six points. It doesn't concern me yet because they won the game. They dominated so much in the first half. But one of the big themes from the last couple of years is come out of the gate hot. One of the highest scoring first quarter offenses in the league. And then in the second half, especially, you know, I think it, I think in the uh, second and fourth quarters, they saw huge drop-offs compared to first and third quarters because things get more murky. Things get more improvisational. There's pressure that you know teams are maybe they know you're going to pass at the end of a half, and so they're teeing off more. So it's definitely a thing, and it continued that they came out of the gate hot and they and they didn't back it up in the second half. But I'm not I'm not going to hit the panic button at all because of how great they were jumping out to that lead. And some of it was like they were, you know, they were up by two, three touchdowns and they were just trying to lean on the Packers and run the ball more in the second half too. So yeah. I don't know. I'm not panicking. yet. I'm, I'm going to give you one series third quarter where I think you got to dagger teams. Absolutely. And it, it's the play or it's the series that started after Rogers got hit and fumbled. Okay. So you're first and 10 at the Packers 33. And they got the uh, the 56-yard field goal from Joseph from that. But my point being is, I bet you O'Connell is going to go back to that to that series and say, that's where we have to score, like a touchdown. 
Because if you get a touchdown at that point, I think you basically take away the Packers' will to be there. And and if you are in football plus territory when you get the ball, and that's a huge defensive play. Like, that is such a big play. I think that's the one where you really need to score a touchdown. Because I think if you score a touchdown there, the Packers are like, screw it. And you get, they got a field goal, the Vikings, and I think the Packers were like, oh, okay, held them to a field goal. So that's the one... That's the one series that I looked at and said, you really want seven points? Because I think that ends any ability the Green Bay thinks that they have at that point to come back. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think also, you know, the, the and I, I get what Judd's saying, that you want seven there. Like, because there were some people saying, should they actually go for it on the fourth down? And I believe even the analytics said, honestly, kicking a field goal is going to give you the same amount of winning percentage. The difference in not converting it is 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 not risking it. But to Judd's point, you definitely still want to be able to get six when you can, man. And and if you, and if there's a good situation where you can dagger the team, I think you absolutely have to do it. Yeah, there's going to be some. This is what's going to be interesting to follow too with O'Connell is how aggressive will he be on like fourth down and goal from the two, from the three. When do you take your points? When do you not? Because you can make a case. It's so easy to do this retroactively, retrospectively, but that Monday night game with Denver, how many how many times three empty trips to the red zone and two of them were like fourth down stops inside the five? If they just kick field goals, they win the game. Generally, I'm all for going for it and being aggressive, but if you can tack points on when you already have, if you can go from like a three-score lead to a four or a two-score lead to a three, there's certain mm-hmm. leverage points where it might make sense to just kick field goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Are you guys ready for what are people saying about the Minnesota Vikings? Absolutely. Quarterback ranking edition. Oh, oh yes. yeah. Weekly not only, now. This is well, great. Not, not only is the ringer doing weekly quarterback yep. rankings, NFL.com <laughs> is doing it as well. It's great. This is great. So uh, Steven great. Ruiz is ranking every quarterback here every single week. He put out the new update yesterday on the ringer.com. And there's write ups. There's it's like these are like Madden profiles for these guys. And they've they've got uh, like for Patrick Mahomes they've got him number one, and you know, a strong and almost elastic arm in combination with an unmatched feel for what's going on around him makes Mahomes the league's most creative passer. And then they have little icons like uh, attribute icons, trick shot artist, deceptive eyes, and got that dog in him are the <laughs> descriptors oh. for Patrick Mahomes. So he's number one. They've got Aaron Rodgers still as the number two quarterback on this list. Interesting. Looked a little shell-shocked to me. Speaking of yeah. not great against pressure, boy, he was a disaster against pressure on Sunday. Uh, Justin Herbert, third. Josh Allen, fourth. Tom Brady, fifth. Russell Wilson, sixth. Mm. I need to see more before I put it in reputation. Sixth. Yep. A couple reputation plays so far. Lamar Jackson, 7, Joe Burrow, 8, Dak Prescott, 9, Kyler Murray, 10, Matt Ryan, 11, Matthew Stafford, 12, Kirk Cousins up from, I think, 16th to 13th in the Ringers rankings. Slowly but surely. Maybe the greatest system quarterback of this era, for better or worse, and they have him listed as a checkdown machine and a system quarterback in the attributes. But you know what? This is a great system to navigate. So if you could yes. just be a great Kevin O'Connell system quarterback, you're going to put up a lot of points. And checkdowns are not the end of the world if you use them at the right times. Yeah. 
Yeah, That's fine. how he keeps a completion percentage high throughout his career, too. So he's yep. just ahead of Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence, Jameis Winston, Ryan Tannehill, Mac Jones, Marcus Mariota. All right. Now over to NFL.com. Mark Sessler doing these weekly quarterback index rankings. Mm-hmm. He has Josh Allen, number one. Patrick Mahomes, number two. Justin Herbert. Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers, five. So both of these have Rodgers solidly in the top five. Do you think Rodgers is still one of the five best quarterbacks in the league? Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't put him two, but I think five is very yeah. fair. Yeah. He ain't number. He ain't one of the three. G- give me, give me Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert over Rodgers for sure. Mm-hmm. He's probably five. That's probably fair. I think I would take Tom Brady still over Aaron Rodgers. He's fifth is probably fair for now. For yeah. Now. I mean, he he could fall out within the next month. Of the top five, for sure. Lamar Jackson, six. Joe Burrow, seven. Matthew Stafford, eight. Kirk Cousins, ninth. Mm. Up from 13th a week ago. I think that's probably very fair right now. I think if you were to ask me right now, being um, optimistic about the system that he's in, I think I would put him ninth before 13th right now. I think I would have had him 13th at the start of the season. But I never this, thought that he was like 16th. Which this write up this write up is great. Cousins has long been dinged for not raising the offense around him, for operating as a glass of milk. But this Vikings attack has new energy. I can't believe I'm typing this, but I'm falling for the Minnesota outfit I saw on Sunday. Offensive player of the year candidate Justin Jefferson stamping the Packers um Working in unison beside a quarterback who delivered the ball with flair. Maybe Kyle Brandt is onto something with Kirk Cousins as the MVP. I'll tell you this in terms of like system fit. So this system has a lot. And, and Kirk, here's another stat for you. Kirk actually, of the 33 quarterbacks that qualified in week one with enough throws, yep. because uh, Dak came out early and then Cooper Rush also qualified for the Cowboys, he had the third lowest average depth of throw. A lot of short stuff. And there's a couple other guys on that list, too, that, you know, like Matt Stafford is in the, is average. So schematically, uh-huh. it, he, but he was also hunting down the field at times, too. But schematically, there's a lot of crossing routes in this offense. And little like jet, there's a, a jet sweep motion reception by, so you, you jet sweep behind line of scrimmage, catch the pass. So it's not always airing it, chunking it down the field. It's It's oftentimes yards after the catch. And where Kirk Cousins will thrive here is he is one of the most accurate placers of the football in the NFL. And so if on a crossing route, he can put that pass in a perfect spot for 10 yards after the catch. You know, there's not many quarterbacks I would rather have putting a pass on the money on a 12-yard crossing route or a 5-yard crossing route just in front of the line of scrimmage. And who was the king of yak? King of yak is JJ. Yeah, he's one of them. I mean, he runs great routes, and and then... He is. He has the ability then to take off. Um, I'll say this as far as the the potential MVP and Kirk conversation goes. If this offense continues to deliver like it did on Sunday, Kirk ain't going to win it because Jefferson will siphon away some votes. Like there's no way, and and it, it rightfully so. I don't think that there's any way if JJ continues to play like he he did. He's going to get some votes, and he's going to siphon them off of Kirk. This is not a put-down of Kirk. I'm just saying flat out, 
they're going to be seen, right or wrong, as a duo if that success, if it continues. Yeah, and some of it's gonna, and some of this is correct that if if Kevin O'Connell is going to get a bunch of credit, Justin Jefferson is going to get a bunch of credit, and Kirk will deserve credit if they keep playing like this too. But a lot of it is like the things around him that are changing, and then he is piloting a plane that is just more modern and better, and he will deserve some credit, but. You know, if KOC can unlock this thing to a new level, then KOC will get probably more credit than anybody. He'll probably win Coach of the Year, which he is the odds-on favorite right now in many sports books. So, one game, baby. Um, I love it. I love before we get, he is he's like an he's like eight to one right now. That's why I love That's this crazy. league. Yeah. All right. Before we get to random Viking of the week, the Vikings offense is like hail raining down on defenses, <laughs> and if you need to fix your car after it's been damaged by hail, hmm. If only we had a place, Declan. Mm. I think that's Hale Ace. Our guy Adam at Hale Ace, a big Purple Daily fan, who will work with the insurance company to help you handle your claim from start to vi- uh, from start to finish. And Hale, da- uh, Hale Ace, they do not raise your insurance rate. They will handle all that work for you. He's also a very big Vikings fan. So if you maybe also bring in your car maybe for September, October, because it was a really nasty spring for hail damage here in the Twin Cities, uh, you get entered into a pair of tickets for a late-season Vikings game in the Polaris Club of all places, nice, too. Nice. So go take care of your car. Uh, you can book your appointment now at hailace.com. Go to hailace.com to book your appointment now. Awesome. Uh, also, what's this uh, Nowhere Haunted House that we are now partnered with? I love horror movies and haunted houses, you so do. I am attentive here. Yes, this is uh, the all-indoor haunted house attraction in Inver Grove Heights. They have their Ooh. weekend attraction. It's called, uh, it's for the thrill seekers. It's Insomnia. It's called Insomnia. They're their hands-on, fully immersed experience. Insomnia is an 18-plus event, and it requires a signed waiver. It requires what? a signed waiver to go in here, okay? Whoa! It's, 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 what does it's hands-on mean? Are they going to kidnap you like what? This, I, this sounds intriguing dude I, i'm I, in on this i know you are i know and I, we're big halloween buffs too and you can get these tickets and your details at at nowherehauntedhouse.com it's nowherehauntedhouse.com invergrove heights just a short drive here in the metro area in the twin cities go to uh, nowherehauntedhouse.com to book your tickets insomnia get spooked dude, the the waiver thing is is at the very least i'm sure it's necessary with whatever it's a genius marketing play too, right? Have you guys heard about the haunted house where you, you dude, it's so you have to sign a waiver. You have to sign a waiver. Um, all right, let's get to random Viking of the week here, gentlemen, where every single week Judd is pitted against either me or Declan because Judd is so dominant in this game. And, uh, we throw out a series of clues one by one. We each get up to three guesses incorrect until we are eliminated and judd usually wins that's how this game works judd has a 35 to 17 lead over declan and then lately my i do i have beat judd a couple times yeah. declan's yeah. beat him like 15 andre times allison. i got andre allison and travis taylor in fact the last handful of random vikings are cadre ismail brian russell jerome simpson travis taylor moritz boringer andre allison and gus ferrat uh, the first ever batch of random Vikings a little over a year ago with Tavares Jackson, Kelly Campbell, Leroy Horde, Jerome Felton, and Hussein Abdullah. Mm. So Declan will be piloting this plane here today. All right. This random Viking of the week, I want to get this first clue out for you right now so you're not maybe thinking too hard or think too hard, or I don't really care how you go about this, but I just want to make sure that this Thanks. first clue is very important, okay? All right. This random Viking of the week was under contract with the Vikings for six months. 
but never appeared in a regular season game for the Vikings. So we've done Brock Lesnar, you know, we've, we've done coordinators too. So I just wanted out there that he actually never appeared in a regular season game with the Vikings. Okay. Okay. This random Viking of the week was born across the pond in Dover, England. And played in NFL Europe too, actually. A couple years in NFL Europe for uh, Frankfurt Galaxy. Well, I remember the Galaxy. Yeah, the great team. Six months under contract. Mm-hmm. He never played for him. This random Viking of the Week logged 50 NFL games. 50 NFL games. None with the Vikings. This random Viking of the Week, although born in England, is technically one of us. Went graduated high school in Minnesota at Eastview. Oh, oh, oh! It's the kicker uh, from the Gophers, um, Reese Lloyd. Reese Lloyd. We are back. He got it. Ding, ding, ding! It's Reese yes. Lloyd. Yes, it's Reese Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the Eastview giveaway was going to be too much. I shouldn't have said the Eastview giveaway yeah. part. Yeah. Judd, you should have kept that part in your head. Oh no! Beat. Oh, you're mad. <laughs> oh, I'm. Not, I'm very upset. I'm very upset. I'm very upset. I felt I started to is say that it right. Cheap? Is it cheap? I mean, he didn't say no, the name. No, he didn't say the name. He didn't say the name. Uh, I started uh, to say it. I started to say it, but then Phil cut uh, in. Uh, you know I'm, what? I'm upset at myself for giving up Eastview. I knew I, sh- I, knew I should have just kept the Minnesota part. You kickoff specialist. It. I thought yeah. Reese Lloyd was from Australia for some reason. I went. I had a college class with him. I remember. I had, a, I, well, we had some mutual clues. friends in college was going to be, I think he went, well, one of them was he kicked the game-winning field goal in the 2003 Sun Bowl against the Oregon Ducks, which probably yeah. would have tipped you off that he was a yeah, go for six months, because he came here as a kickoff specialist and I think didn't make, make it out of training camp. Correct. He, yeah, the, he, was, was, he, he was one of my favorite college punters because he did the uh, the Australian Aussie. style, like where he would roll mm. out to the left mm-hmm. or the right when he punted. Yeah, that's so there was like too. What's that? The flat ball, because they, they dropped the ball weird. The oh. uh, Australian style punters dropped the ball weird. Yeah. And it's, so instead of spiraling up, it's, it sort of drops weird and then has a different spiral. So what he would do is he would he probably did this a handful of times watching him in college. He would roll out, and then if the if the you know the return unit would all have their backs to him running down the field, he would just mm-hmm. run behind. He would just keep running. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. no one! They think I punted. No one's watching me. He would just run for like twenty yards. He also kicked the game winner against Wisconsin at the Metrodome in 2003 to win yep. the axe. Yes. And then sprinted across and grabbed the axe. So there it's it is. Big. Boy, that is a dirty way for me to get yeah, a point there. Judd did cheap. all of the work, and I just I was quicker on that's the buzzer. A, that's a cheap win. Cheap other, win. If it, but if, if, if you would have kept too. in your head, if you would have said yeah. in your head, oh, that's I didn't think the... you'd get it as quick, so. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> other clues included he led the NFL in touchbacks with Carolina in uh, 2008. Yep. Led the league, and he was the kickoff specialist while John Casey handled the field goals for Carolina. Yeah, that's what he was here, too. Yeah. I, I, I think he came in at the same time Longwell was here, and they, they were going to have him handle kickoffs, and then they're he, like, this is a waste of a roster spot. He had 224 kickoffs in his NFL career, zero field goals attempted. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's he never no room, attempted a field goal. No room for that on a roster anymore, right? And according yeah, no. to his uh, LinkedIn page, he now runs a soccer academy because he's also a letter. He lettered in yes. soccer at Eastview and also works for the golf app Golf Now. 
which we can, uh, you know, yeah, which I've used to book some tea times before too. So I yeah, he's living in Florida, awesome. living his best life. Good Reese for him. Lloyd. I seem to recall uh, that that Ryan didn't take that real well when they brought in a kickoff specialist to replace. No, it's kind of it's, it's like I can do the kickoffs, guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like it's it's kind of it's how you question a kicker's manhood that yeah. we don't think you can kick the ball far enough into the end zone. So we're going to bring was, someone else in to do it. And this was still when the kickoffs were from, was it the 30? They're from the 35 now, is that mm-hmm. right? So. so it's yeah. like touchbacks were har- harder to come by. Now it's like yeah. not, not that hard. Yep. Well, so, all right, all right. We have right. cut the lead from 35 wow. to 18. The well, that's, that's what happens when you... Tactical mistake, tactical when you, mistake by me. When we're you look at the film. think out loud, you give away clues to yeah, your we're, opponents. We're, we're going to look at the film. <laughs> we're going right. to go back and look at the film. Easily correct, correctable. Don't, don't forget about Vikings Ventline after Eagles Vikings on Monday. The most fan-friendly, interactive show in Minnesota sports. And, uh, yeah, please click the subscribe button on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. We'll see you guys tomorrow.